Hi everyone, it's John. And Ben. And welcome back to Santa by the Minute, the podcast where Ben and I talk about 1985's Santa Claus the Movie. One minute at a time. And this week we are on minute number... 98. You know, we took a couple weeks off again, but we're well, back. You know, we got a lot. You know, uh, we took a week off because John had to go to a yard sale. <laughs> he wanted to go to a yard sale on the day that we normally record. So that was why we took another week off. They understand. I... These things happen. <laughs> These things come up. So, before we get into the minute, which we have a lot to say about this particular minute, the end of the movie, we're just barreling right towards it like Santa in his sleigh in this minute. We are going, like, fast. Well, maybe not for them. For us, we're going super fast. You know, if we take another hiatus anytime soon, you know, if you guys want to hear another podcast about Santa Claus the movie, fellow Christmas Podcast Network podcast Behind the Bells is doing a multi-part series about the history of the making of Santa Claus the movie. It, it's definitely a lot more condensed than uh, our project here. It would have to be. <laughs> and he has a little more production value. You don't hear the air conditioner and a cat in the background in every episode. <laughs> it's like music cues. It's just him on the mic. But it's very interesting. He goes into a lot deeper into the backstory of the Sulkin Empire. Mm-hmm. And it, it was very interesting. And I imagine in the next part he's going to get a little more into director Gino Schwartz, which we haven't given his due yet. We've been kind of waiting till his name crawls across the screen in the credits. We had to save a little bit for the end credits. We couldn't just give everything all up front at the beginning. So definitely check out Behind the Bells. It was a great episode. I listened to it the other day. Gets our seal of approval. Like I said, if you want a nice condensed 45-minute podcast as opposed to our... 73 hour ordeal <laughs> that we're doing here i've told ben when we get to minute 108 finish that episode dump every episode we've ever recorded into your itunes and see what the playlist uh, runtime is yeah I i'm curious how long we've talked about a 108 minute long movie for hours and hours on end so let's dive right into minute number 98 we are gonna hop into this minute just like patch and joe are hopping into the patch mobile right at the start of this minute Yes. The book and the in the movie are a little out of sync from here until the end of the movie. The book jumps all over the place. So in my book, I have little tabs. They're like minute 98.1, 98.2, 99, 100, 104, 98, 99. It goes all over the place. So, I definitely feel like the editors of this movie were told, you got to condense the climax yeah. of this movie into two minutes. Yeah. you got to wrap up all these plot threads in two minutes. Yeah. Go. <laughs> so we got Joe and Patch. They are both very excited. They are climbing into the Patch Mobile. Oh, wow. Ah, good, huh? <laughs> ah. hey, put your seatbelt on. Patch starts turning knobs on the Patchmobile dashboard to start the car. It makes some very Atari 80s video game sounds as he's starting it up in this part. I don't remember hearing those previously. Or we might have, I've, Mary and I have forgotten. <laughs> it was a while ago. It's been a long time since we've seen this car in action. But I think Patch is really excited when somebody 
is excited to see the Patchmobile in his handiwork, don't you? I think that's why Patch is in such a giddy mood right now. Yeah, I think so. Patch reminds Joe to put his seatbelt on, which is very safety conscious of Patch. I don't think Santa's sleigh has any seatbelts. Well, yeah, it's really funny because... So when Patch tells Joe to fasten your seatbelt in the book, Joe looked down in surprise, realizing that Patch was wearing one and he was not. In his excitement, he had forgotten all about it. (laughs) Obediently, he pulled the strap across and fastened himself in. And then he says, can I drive it later? (laughs) And he asked eagerly, (laughs) remembering what he got to do with Santa and the reindeer. Patch says, do you have a driver's license? And Joe says, no. And Patch is sorry, shaking his head. And he didn't bother telling Joe that he did not have one either. <laughs> so if this was in the script and filmed, I can see why this was the first thing the editor got to condense the uh, climax here, where everything grinds to a halt. Let's see, do you have your, do you have any insurance? Do you, can I see an insurance card? I know. Don't forget your seatbelt. I have mine on. I mean, they didn't even show the seatbelt in the movie. Like, you wouldn't even know there was one there at all. I guess Patch was probably excited thinking that maybe they would someday there would be two people in the car. Because he would have to show Santa his car, right? And then he'd have to bring... Yeah, I bet he was daydreaming of him and Santa just cruising yeah. around in the Patchmobile. Bringing a Vout out for a stroll around the North Pole. <laughs> like, let's go for a car ride, Vout. <laughs> I kind of think that may have been a note they got. It's like, well, if the kid's going to get into this car, he got to remember yeah. to put his seatbelt on. Just like all the yeah. cartoons around the 80s. If anybody got onto a bicycle, they had to show him putting a helmet on. Yeah. Well, in the 80s was the really big push to make mandatory seatbelts everywhere. That was like a big thing in the 80s for them to start doing. So it would make sense. So the next part I have written down as the engine turns on, you see like those... I don't know, what what's the term I'm looking for? Thrusters? You know, those turbine-type engine-looking things in the back? Yeah. That just billow out the exhaust? Yeah, they're like plain anyway, engines. It, pans, <laughs> it pans over just a little bit. And tell me if I'm seeing the right thing. You see it just for a couple of seconds, if that. Mm-hmm. We're seeing the candy canes, and they're starting to, like, spark like sparklers. Yes. Okay, that's what I thought, but it goes by so quick, I wasn't sure if that was some sort of mechanism inside showing that it's take, starting to take off. But I was thinking, I think it's the candy canes and they're showing the sparks like they're heating up because they're so close to the engine. Yeah, I think so. I am kind of surprised that they loaded up all those candy canes and the trunk isn't even closed. We know that thing can close. <laughs> I know. I you think they'd thinking, be flying out. I was thinking the same thing. But I guess for visual purposes, they had to show. And there's no way that Santa and Cornelia would know that there were candy canes in there later on in this minute if it was shut. So they had to have it open. But you would think in reality, they would have closed it so they didn't go flying out, especially when Patch flips upside down later on. (laughs) Getting ahead of ourselves. (laughs) So then we see the back of the Patchmobile as it drives forward through the warehouse towards the open bay door, just like it did on that Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Once again, a very Batmobile-looking shot, which I think is intentional because the thing is called the Patchmobile. Right. You know, when I see when I see that angle and the car moving and you see the smoke billowing out the back, it's like, yeah. oh, that's the Batmobile. Yeah. 
Definitely. And then the Patchmobile launches right out of BZ's warehouse. It's still broad daylight, by the way. It's probably mm-hmm. dusk. It's probably mid-afternoon, around 4 or 5 in the afternoon at this point, would you say? Yeah, it says that in the in the book, it says that it's sunset. So I would guess, I think I figured out that the sunset around like 5 or something like that at this time of year in New York. I don't remember if I actually said that on on the on the podcast or not, but <laughs> then we get a brief exchange close up inside the Patchmobile as they're flying through the air. Joe said, "Next, we see Santa's sleigh flying through the New York skyline. Cornelia points ahead and says, "It's them!" It's them. Both of them. And they witness the Patchmobile flying away from the warehouse. Now we get a point of view shot. From Santa and Cornelia's point of view, because you see the reindeer head and antlers. I have to say, Cornelia must have extraordinary eyesight to be able to see that there are two people in the Patchmobile, and the two two people are Patch and Joe. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, that's amazing eyesight, Cornelia. (laughs) From that distance. It's like, I can buy that Santa can see a trunk full of glowing, pulsating candy canes, Mm -hmm. but... I could not. I could not make out any people. <laughs> I want to back far up away. Just, just for a second. Okay, <laughs> go for it. After Joe says "neat," you know when he when they're flying, I do have mm-hmm. a little exchange that was cut out. I think, unless it's in a future minute and I don't remember it, but it, Joe asks how this thing works. I'm gonna cue up the elf pun music here. Oh boy. <laughs> It says, Patch responds to, it's elf propelled. Ooh, good one. <laughs> so we had a new pun, elf propelled. And I wanted, I wanted to make sure that you knew that there was a, another pun in the book. Another lost elf pun. Yes. Now Santa sees something as well. Oh no! What is it? Look, the candy canes! They're in the car with them! Now, in the book, Cornelia says Patch and Joe don't know they explode. Yeah, I was about to comment on something like that. It's like, I think at this point, Joe doesn't know they explode either. Even though for the longest time in our heads, you know, after you see the movie as a kid and you just sort of piece it together in your memory to how the plot works, it's like, oh, that's why they kidnapped Joe because he knows that things are going to explode. But no, he does not know at this point that the candy canes explode. Yeah, because him, we've talked about it before, but him being kidnapped only makes sense if he knew about them exploding, but he doesn't. No, so. no, it just makes BZ look like a crazy person Yeah, at this point. <laughs> Santa looks worried for his friends and cracks the reins on the sleigh to make the reindeer fly faster. Fly like you've never flown before. In the book, they called this glow a hot puce glow. <laughs> the volatile candy canes. Hot puce. Hot puce. Now, as Joe is so excitedly riding in this car with Patch, he was wondering to himself whether or not Santa would ever trade in his sleigh and reindeer 
for a cool powered car like this. But miraculously, at the same time, Santa was thinking, isn't this crazy? Santa was thinking he would never trade his reindeer for a car like Patch's car. Because the reindeer, even though they're a little slower, they are noble and good-hearted and they would never give up. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought it was funny how how they put that in there. Like, don't worry, kids. Santa is not going to have a car like this. He is still going to use his reindeer. Yeah, the, the message of the movie does get a little muddled. It's like, is it bad that Patch is wanting to improve things? Is it good that you want to stay stuck in the past? It's like, it's very confusing, but it doesn't matter. We're heading towards a happy ending, full speed ahead. Like we pointed out before, Patch is basically punished for wanting to change anything. Yeah, exactly. Very odd message yes. when you stop and think about it. I don't think that was intentional. I think the book kind of wraps things up a little bit better than on screen in the movie did. Yeah, I think but so, too. But we, we, will, we will find out shortly. At least I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. We'll have a lot to say. We're, we're getting there, guys. We're getting there. Now, I didn't even realize this was going to be starting in this minute. Oh, it just happened on. so fast. My head is spinning. We are back no. in BZ's no. warehouse office. No. Oh, no. oh, back no. up, back up. Back up. We got something else. We got something else. (laughs) Before we get back to BZ's office, I just want to tell you where they're headed in in the sleigh and in the car. Okay. So uh, I just want you to know that on their way back to the North Pole, they are logically following and aiming towards the North Star. And before we cut back to BZ's office here, they have gone over the Westchester suburbs, which are near Connecticut. They've gone over Putnam, Connecticut, and they had also gone over Duchess, which I'm assuming they think is in Connecticut because there's a lot of Duchess-named um, grocery stores and restaurants in Connecticut. So they're, they've already made it past Connecticut from New York before we get to this scene with BZ. Now, is this from the book, or is this yes. like Google... No. Google satellite view. <laughs> no, it's from the book. I would not have been able to figure that out. Satellite view. Things have changed way too much in 30 years <laughs> for me to do that. I know you've been trying to determine. We see periodically shots of the warehouse that's standing in for BZ's yeah. warehouse. Especially yeah. in shots where the Patchmobile is taking off. Yeah. And you've been trying to find on Google Maps, Google Street View, Google Satellite... Yes. Like something in that region yeah. that the filmmakers could have theoretically filmed like helicopter shots of. Right. And I to think, stand in for the warehouse. I was going to share this at the end, but I think I may have found it accidentally. And it's because when you're when you see Santa and Cornelia flying over New York towards the factory right before they say, look, it's them. You can see these smokestacks behind them. And it looks a little different today, but I think that this is Con Edison energy thing in New York. And I was like, there's no way that if you look straight across the water, that that is the factory for BZs. You know, it's way too close to Manhattan for one you know, because there'd be no point in him flying if it was really right across the water. 
But just for giggles, I looked on Google Map and right across the East River from Con Edison is this little section called it's from it's the Bushwick Inlet. And there's a little area here that on Google, let's see, it's North 12th Street. There is this area that granted it looks a lot different today because it's been 30 years but this could potentially be where the factory would have been set up because the land matches and there's a little island that matches and it's right across from where they would have seen bz uh bz's plant the uh, the angle's a little off but you know you get the you get the idea that's pretty amazing that you found that or something close enough that you can yeah. say, I think I found it. There's no building there now, but it's big enough that you could have had a building there then. You know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. At some point. Yeah. yeah, at some point. I mean, this is it, New York has changed a lot in 30 years, so it's kind of hard to find exactly where these things would be. Because I would imagine that they would have used a helicopter shot from around this area because they have been in all mm-hmm. of the other shots of helicopter, you know, of them flying and being around New York. They've been using helicopter shots from New York. So I would have thought that this would have been from New York as well. They wouldn't have taken a helicopter shot from England just for this one factory place. You know what I mean? That wouldn't make any sense. So are we ready to talk about the next part of this scene? Yes. Yes, we Back can move on DZ's. now, I think. Mm-hmm. Now, before we start talking about what's happening or who's showing up at this moment in time, yeah. let's take a step back. Everything happens so quick. This movie just pummels you with stuff in this next couple of minutes, probably on purpose so you don't have time to think about what's going on. Mm-hmm. But lucky for you, we are breaking this down 60 <laughs> seconds at a time. We have been thinking way too much about this movie. I don't know why I'm telling you guys. If you're at minute 98 with us. They know. Um, they know us. They know now. already. <laughs> Anyway, let's let's take a step back. Okay, it's about, let's say, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the afternoon yeah. on this Tuesday or whatever we determined it was. So obviously, at some point, BZ, Towser, and Grizzard have returned to the warehouse. Have they checked on Patch at all? They must have heard the thing taking off. It's pretty loud. It was like... Have they just been laser focused on getting all their Brazil travel plans in order that they haven't checked on A, the child they kidnapped, B, the potentially deadly candy canes, or C, what Patch is doing? Well, I, I can't answer that because in the well, book... Well, I'm just saying, I'm just, just tossing it out there. Because well, I just want to say that in the book, this is the beginning of a new day. This is the next day. A lot more time has passed in the book. Yeah, which makes it even harder in the book because it seems like it's taken them 20 days to fly back to the (laughs) North Pole because we haven't reached it there in the book. But we're back at Patch's office and it says, it specifically says, a new day found BZ at his desk gloating over his latest figures from the candy candy cane sales. So it specifically states that this is a whole new day. Yeah, that's that's a little harder to believe. Yeah, yeah. With everything happening so quick. So anyway, to refresh your memory, last minute, 
Cornelia did tell Santa that she called the police, but she didn't think the police believed her. But Mm -hmm. as we see right here, somebody believed her because like a squadron of police cars, at least three or four of them are come peeling in to the parking lot with the sirens blazing. Because in the book it says, Beezy's eyes bulged with terror. He had no way of knowing any more than Cornelia did that the police had indeed believed her story. So going off an anonymous tip from a small child, <laughs> they sent out sent out the, like the whole troop, not just like a patrol car with nothing to do. Like, yeah, go on, go see if anything's going on at that weird toy factory. It's like, no, they're they're coming in hot. They're like a SWAT team. It says in the book, aware of her step uncle's shady reputation, they had decided to act swiftly to nip the potential national disaster and international incident in the bud with the justifiable paranoia of someone who was guilty as sin. BZ was sure that somehow the cops must know everything about him (laughs) and everything about the fatal candy canes as well. And he watched Grizzard and Towser as they were hauled off, hauled out of the building's front doors already in handcuffs. Yeah. In my head, I have to picture like the police are showing up and then Towser nervously just spills everything. (laughs) Like what's happening? What's going on? Yeah. That's the only, I can't imagine them on a tip from a 12 year old girl over the phone, barging in, arresting two people, having the, having the chief, I assume it's the chief or some sort of high ranking detective on the megaphone. (laughs) We know you're in there. Come out with your hands up. (laughs) It's like, of course, you know, he's in there. His head is sticking out of the window. (laughs) Yeah, he's... Yeah, we do see BZ, like, pull the blinds and the window's open. And he's, like, looking out the window at the cops. We see you up there, BZ. <laughs> now, I'm not I'm not here to defend BZ. Mm-mm. But nothing, nothing has happened yet. Nope. Patch and Joe. Joe, if Cornelia said they kidnapped my friend Joe, this is an orphan. Like, I, I hate to say it, but police are probably not going to know anything about this kid and he's not even there there's no proof that any kidnapping occurred joe and patch have gone off with the candy canes a good chunk possibly all of the candy canes Mm -hmm. once again no proof i mean you might have a smoldering room there at the toy factory and but bz could have his lawyer say oh it's a tragic accident thankfully no one was hurt you know i i hate i hate to do this but i'm gonna have to cancel christmas too Mm-hmm. You know, he would get off scot-free. We, we're in America. Rich people don't, don't have any consequences. True. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> this is the most unbelievable part of the movie. So what I'm saying is I think what happens next, uh, well, we'll talk about it more next week. I think uh, BZ didn't think this through. I'm not saying potentially murdering hundreds of children with exploding candy canes was a was was something was... I could defend. <laughs> right. But I'm saying nothing has happened at this point. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, he isn't he I mean technically he is not guilty of anything. I mean for one, he was not making the candy canes. Patch was. For two, he hasn't sold any of the can like he has not delivered on any of the candy canes. 
yeah, the worst that's happened is that he's taken in a lot of money. He was going to steal right. a lot of money, but that hasn't happened yet either. They would have had to wait till after Christmas too to know if he had stolen the money. So I feel like <laughs> I feel like the cops are are a little overreacting here. Yeah, A and then BZ overreacts as well because you know he has lawyers. I mean, obviously, because he just had one a couple of months, well, I guess a year ago when he was with the Senate subcommittee. Just bring that guy back in. and So, yeah, yeah, basically we're saying BZ has not technically committed, he's plotting to. Right. He was going to basically throw a Patch under the bus like he did. Right. It was foreshadowed a while ago when we first met BZ in the book, in the comic book, remember? Mm-hmm. He had that high-ranking like Jenkins or whatever his name was. <laughs> this was all cut from the movie, by the way, if you're tuning right. in late. But it was definitely in the comic book where his plan to weasel his way out of trouble was like, oh, we'll just pin it all on so-and-so. Right. You're looking it up now what the name was. I, I want to say it was Jenkins. Simmons. Simmons, okay. <laughs> yes, fire Simmons and blame it on all on him. Simmons, vice president of operations, why he's been with the firm for 30 years. Long enough for any man. We need a fall guy. The end of the comic book is quite condensed. You think the movie is condensed for an ending. You should see the comic book condensed for the ending. Like, like the Marvel people ran out of pages. It's like, all right, yeah. we, gotta, we gotta finish it off here. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There's two pages till the end. And just like in the book, I know that um, we're ca- we'll probably talk about this more next week. But I'll, since we've only been talking for a couple of minutes, I'll just add this on to this week. In the book, uh, well, no, I guess, I don't know. In the book, <laughs> it's so hard because the movie and the book intertwine so many ways that if you're following the timeline on the book, this is a new day. Santa, Cornelia, Patch, and Joe have been flying for over a day. And, and the candy canes in the trunk haven't exploded yet, even though right. they're sparking. Right. And then, now this is when BZ flies out into space. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I told you I said I was going to be kind of talking about <laughs> I know, I know. Continue. Carry on. And But in the book and in the comic book, BZ doesn't actually fly out until the end of the movie it's like the him and the police officers and and santa and patch and joe and cornelia all of this is all happening at the same exact time in the book in the comic book so it's very hard to kind of line them all up but if you're following the timeline it's like what is he doing for so long (laughs) Which is why you have to go by the movie timeline, where everything's yeah. happening all at the same time. Yeah, it's very hard to follow along. But so we'll definitely talk about more of Beezy's thought process next yes. week and how he potentially might be not thinking things all the way through. He's not thinking clearly. He's had too many cigars. It's <laughs> clouding his judgment. <laughs> well, it may not be the cigars. It may be all that uh, whiskey he's been drinking. Well, the combo probably isn't doing him any good. <laughs> we briefly get a close-up shot back on the ground of the police again waiting outside as the minute ends. I do want to say, to remind us that it is still January, we do see a, co- a coating of quote-unquote snow on the ground, but this is definitely like 
soap suds, you know, like fire mm-hmm. extinguisher suds all over mm-hmm. the crown, wouldn't you say? Definitely. That is not real snow. The way they're trudging through it and the way it's reacting. And we also see a license plate on this supposedly New York City police car, which does not look like any U.S. license plate that you would see. The numbers are a little off. And I don't exactly know what it's supposed to be saying there at the bottom. I can't make that out, but uh, that's not what a New York license plate looks like. Not even in 1984 or 5? Well, I can look. Hold on. Okay, so the New York license plate from 1973 to 1986 was yellow, and it had three numbers, a dash, and then another three digits. So... I do not believe that this is a correct New York license plate. Not from that timeline, anyway. They could have picked it up (laughs) from some previous year, I suppose, or a different state. But they're all the same color. You know, the one car 287 also has a blue license plate that looks just like the one that car, I don't know, doesn't have a number, has. So... Two of the license plates are consistent. I, I know it's kind of, no pun intended, but I think it is kind of a cop-out that the movie has the police come and ev- how everything plays out as it will, as opposed to having Santa himself confront BZ. Mm-hmm. It seems like it seems like such a missed opportunity <laughs> that the two never interact at all. It would be like having a Superman movie where he doesn't confront Lex Luthor at all. They just go about their business in two separate parts of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and never it's... and never confront each other. The ultimate good, the ultimate evil. Yeah, <laughs> it is very strange. <laughs> Definitely a very odd choice on the filmmaker's part. Because things could still play out like they do. But Santa comes into the office. Mm-hmm. You know, BZ's office. And, you know, they can have some words back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then BZ could still do what he's going to do next minute. Right. I don't know how it would play out exactly, but like Santa could say, you know, you're, I, I think there's some good in you, BZ, or something. And then he's like, I'd rather have the money. And then mm-hmm. eats too many candy canes or something. And yeah. then they look out the window like, oh. something like that. So Santa, it doesn't look like Santa killed the guy. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost maybe, like... Maybe I'm answering my own question of why they, they didn't play out like this. It's almost like Santa has no clue about BZ. I mean, we know that he does. Yes, he's aware because... previous, he, you know, yeah, minutes Yeah, because he was like, when he was mopey Santa, he said to right. Anya, maybe this BZ guy has it right after all. Yeah, but maybe he doesn't know or realize that BZ is actually the problem. You know, like, maybe going after BZ is not solving the issue. It's more of an internal thing than it is an external thing with BZ. There's a lot of thoughts. We'll talk, we'll talk about our thoughts at the end of the movie when we have a yeah, wrap-up. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Because we can't continue on. We'll end up talking about, you know, future... Minutes. Things that have not occurred yet. Right. I mean, we're skirting the lines now. Yeah, we we have to we have to save some. We've got a lot more lot more things that are going to happen that haven't happened yet in upcoming minutes. You don't want to miss it. I know. I think we're. I think mentally, 
I think I'm trying to stretch this out as long as possible <laughs> because I don't want it to end. I love podcasting with you about this movie <laughs> so much. You know, you know it's coming where we're going to do periodic podcasts about the making of TV special. I know. <laughs> we may not be on a, a, a consistent schedule, but it's like, all right, this week we are talking a minute at a time about the making of TV special from 1986. We're not going to do a minute at a time. We've already discussed I know. We've this. already gone through that. We've already gone through that, but I do want to talk about it. We have to revisit it after seeing the entire movie and talking about it for a ridiculous amount time <laughs> but we're not there yet we got we got more we got more and i i don't want to i don't want to say but some of the best stuff is coming up the best is yet to come anyway ben you know what i'm going to ask you now if, if they've you listened want to... to 45 <laughs> minutes of this nonsense if you would like to reach out to us you can contact us on facebook instagram and twitter at Santa Minute, or you can email us at SantaByTheMinute at gmail.com. Everybody's listening to the Behind the Bells uh, version of this now. Yeah. They, they've bailed on us. It's like, oh, this guy, <laughs> this guy's got it down. He doesn't <laughs> ramble as much as these two on Santa by the Minute. He's two episodes, he's done. He's moved on to Gremlins or something. <laughs> anyway, Ben and I post a brand new episode each and every Wednesday. We're going to hold ourselves to that, maybe. <laughs> We have some plans for next week, so maybe every other Wednesday for the time being. And as always, you can listen to any of those episodes... For free!